We'll consider the faith of Abraham next on Abounding Grace. Before Judaism, before the Old Covenant, before the New Covenant, he had a relationship with God. And he had a faith relationship with God. And he becomes the greatest examples of faith in all the Bible. He believed against all odds, enduring in his faith. He possessed an obedient, believing, persevering, enduring faith. This is amazing grace. to be with you and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're going through Hebrews 11 at a snail's pace due to its rich contents. And this chapter is all about faith. Today, we draw your attention to the faith of Abraham, truly one of the greatest examples of faith in the Bible. As you'll see in a moment, faith and works go together beautifully. Hebrews chapter 11, where we're going to pick up where we left off in verse 8 in a Bible study that I've entitled, By Faith, Abraham Obeyed God. And the word obeyed here doesn't even seem like a strong enough word to describe what we learn from Abraham, but it is the word that's used in verse 8. So we're going to use it. Notice with me in verse 8 of chapter 11, it says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would afterward receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of, uh, with him of the same promise. Verse 10. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham, he's known as the example, one of the greatest examples of faith in all the Bible. And we learned last time, didn't we, that faith and works go together. We also learned that faith without works is what, church? It's dead, it's lifeless, it's useless. That the natural outcome of a faith relationship with God will be works. Oh, we're not saved by works, but we are saved for works. And you want to see out of an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ, action and obedience and good works done with the motive of pleasing and obeying God. And we've learned that the fruit of abiding is dependence and obedience. We saw Abel in his worship. We saw Enoch in his walk. We saw Noah in his work. And now we see Abraham in a general sense for his life of obedience and his actions. Hebrews is written to a group of Jewish Christians that are wavering in their faith. They lost everything to embrace the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ. For the Jew, worship was the center of their lives. And worship was centered in the temple. All of the rituals, 
all of the routines, all of the religion, not just what was given in the scriptures, but what was twisted and turned by the Pharisees and the spiritual leaders of the day. Everything was wrapped up in the temple. So for these, this group of Jews that embraced Jesus Christ as their savior, they literally lost everything. Now over the years that I've had the privilege of pastoring, I have met a few, not many, but it's enough to count on one hand. I have met a few that have literally lost everything in their choice to follow Jesus Christ. Most of us, although we may have lost a friend here and there, perhaps we lost a job, maybe we lost the ability to rent a house or an apartment, there are some losses along the way. Most of us haven't lost everything. And you say, Ed, what do you mean by everything? Well, for these believers, in order to follow Jesus, they would have lost all of their wealth, their money. It was all tied up in the worst. It was all tied up in the community. They would have lost their community. They would have lost their social status. They would have lost their job, their career. Like the equivalent of that is like, like you, you know, think about it. You spent 20 years 30 years building up your name, your career, building up a reputation. Maybe you're a part of the Key Club or the Kiwanis and you have done great things in the community and then your choice to follow Jesus Christ, you're kicked out completely. How about this? They also lost their family. Their family turned their back on them. They saw them as betrayal. They, they saw them as betraying the way they were raised, betraying the family name. They didn't understand that Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. It would be the equivalent of a family saying to them, you know, because of your choice to be a Christian, you're dead to me. So they lost their family. They lost their house. They lost their money. They lost their social status. They lost their routine. They lost their religion. They lost their regularity. What was that replaced with? a free-flowing relationship with Jesus Christ where they're growing and understanding and they're wavering. And one of the ways that they're wavering is they're thinking of going backwards because the temple still existed. The worship is right there. Their family may or may not bring them back. They can get back into their social construct. They can have everything back. Now, because it doesn't necessarily apply to most of us, what we did see that applies is that you may be wavering today in your faith and you may be making a choice or, or choices before you to backslide and go back into the world or go back to something you left or to compromise. That's the kind of wavering where you're being tempted, where there's the opportunity, you know, because, because following Jesus is not easy. Uh, it's not as easy as some people make it out to be. Now, it's not as hard as some people make it out to be, but it's also not as easy. And so because of your faith today, you might feel alone, you might be struggling, you might be battling, you might be full of fear, you might be hurting, you might be wondering, you might be doubting. I mean, the big thing today among the new generation is this idea of deconstructing their faith. And if you're in that mode right now where you're just like, well, you know, I think I want to deconstruct my faith, then I would, off, I would ask you to also offer up that, I would allow the Holy Spirit to deconstruct your deconstruction and let him speak into your life. Not just allow the world to start shooting questions at you. I'm telling you, every single question you have is answered by God. He is faithful to give you the strength, 
the wisdom and the faith. And sure, maybe you're battling right now. Maybe there's a question in your life that you don't know how to answer. Maybe you're in a place where you go, what is this all about? And why did God allow this to happen? And I don't believe in a God that would such and such and so and so. And those questions don't threaten God. But I'll tell you this, if you don't go to the right place to answer those questions, you will deconstruct yourself out of a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. You will not care about God anymore. And I'll tell you what's gonna happen. I'll tell you exactly what's gonna happen. I don't need to know you. I don't need to know how, I'll tell you exactly what's gonna happen. You ready? You were born to worship. You were created to worship. So if you leave the one true living God, you will create a God for yourself. And you know, most often, the God that's created is actually not created at all. You make yourself a God. Little g. You make knowledge a God. You make the, the sense that I'm going to live in the middle and never really believe anything a God. When all the while God has demonstrated all of those little false gods and deities and stuff, they don't have love in them. They're masters and they're cruel masters. But the Bible says and that God demonstrated his love for you, that while you were still yet dead in your trespasses and sins, God gave his son for you. And God is real, but so are doubts and so are questions. And I understand that. I've had my fair share of questions and doubts throughout the years. You know, trials will do that to you. Challenges will do that to you. People will do that to you. Grief will do that to you. But God is greater than all those things. He's the way maker. He's the one that makes a way where there is no way. He's the one that's more powerful than our emotions, more powerful than our downtimes, more powerful than our questions. And Jesus himself kind of gave us the, the supreme answer, didn't he? He said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Everything you're looking for. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And there are answers to the things that are on your heart. The Hebrews are going through their own issues. And so Paul writes this letter to them. I believe Paul be, to be the author. He writes this letter to them to settle them and remind them that Jesus is superior, that it was a right decision. And God has sent me here today to remind you, following Jesus, it was a right decision. You made the right decision. You made the right choice. Even if you don't feel that way, God is teaching you to live by faith and not by feelings. And you made the right choice. And whatever you're facing today, whatever you're in the middle of, you will get through it. God will get you through it. And that's what this whole letter is. I know it was heavy in theology. Two of the most uh, questioned, debated, argued about passages in all the Bible are in Hebrews. And we tackled them both. Uh, we gave forth a biblical answer, gave the different sides and said, no, this is what I think it means. It's not as complicated as you might make it out to be or other people have. And you know, when people argue, they tend to miss the forest for the trees. And they get all caught up in their argument and forget that the two difficult passages actually are in the book of the Bible that says Jesus is superior. He is fulfilling all of your heart's desire that you were born for this. And Abraham in his life, before Judaism, before the old covenant, before the new covenant, he had a relationship with God. And he had a faith relationship with God. And he becomes the greatest examples of faith in all the Bible. 
He believed against all odds, enduring in his faith. He possessed an obedient, believing, persevering, enduring faith. So much so that Abraham is actually revered in the three major world religions. Islam reveres Abraham, Judaism reveres Abraham, and Christianity reveres Abraham. That's how important his life has become. That he would be a man of faith, looked up to by people that don't even believe in the one true God and say, man, that guy's special. And that was the promise of God, as we'll see in a moment. Would you turn over to Acts chapter 7 now? Uh, and let's look at a few passages describing the faith of Abraham. And as I was studying this week, kind of studying ahead and reviewing this message, it just struck me that what a fun time going through the book of Hebrews has been because it's taken us back to the Old Testament. And we get to see this stuff as it happened. And I know not many of you were with us over the years where we studied Genesis verse by verse. We studied Exodus. We studied Leviticus. We studied Numbers. We studied Deuteronomy. We studied these books all together verse by verse. And many of you weren't with us back then. So to go back and see them has been really encouraging for me personally. And I hope it has for you. Because remember, the Bible is one unified book. It's not two halves. It's one book written by one author. Now, of course, he used human authors, but we know the author of the Bible is God. And he wants to reveal himself to us. So check this out. Uh, pick up with me in Acts chapter 7, verse 1. This is Stephen standing before uh, the high priest, standing before the religious rulers. He's about to be stoned. So this is his last, he's about to be killed. This is his last message that he teaches them, like he's sharing the gospel before he goes out. And it says in verse 1, Then the high priest said, Are these things so, these accusations? And Stephen answered, he said, Men and brethren, fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. And he said to him, Get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I'll show you. And then he came out of the land in the Chaldean, of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell. God gave him an inheritance, no inheritance in it, not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give it to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. Verse 6. But God spoke in this way, that his descendants would sojourn in a foreign land. And that they would bring them into bondage and oppress them 400 years. And the nation to whom they will be in bondage I will judge, said God. And after that they will come out and serve me in this place. And then he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him. And on the eighth day Isaac begot Jacob. Or on the eighth day and Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot the twelve patriarchs. So when Stephen is ready to give a spiritual history lesson... To, to preach the gospel, because he's going to end at the cross, the resurrection. But when he starts and he goes back, he doesn't go all the way back to Adam. He goes to Abraham, because that's what we relate to his audience. Go back now all the way to the beginning in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Abraham was an idolater. He was an idol worshiper, just like his dad. And isn't that the case? It's not any different today. Kids follow their parents. And they all usually will follow the easy way. 
And so it's important as we continue to study this life of faith that God raises up as parents, as grandparents, as aunts and uncles in order to influence the next generation. We are literally just one generation of the extinction of faith. We're just one generation from it stopping. You know, we want to have this life. We want to have a life that pleases God. We want our life to matter. And amen to that. Everyone that desires a life to please God, amen to that. But I also want you to remember, in the life that you live toward God, you want to leave a legacy. And you leave a legacy through those that are close to you. You leave a legacy through your family. You leave a legacy through your friendships. And we not only want a life that pleases God, but we want a legacy to the next generation until he returns. So check, now, now here in Genesis 12, let's draw near to what God's doing with Abram uh, in, in pagan land. This, this is just a pagan word. He's not at church. He's not worshiping. He's not at the temple. He's worshiping idols. But in that, he was able to have a sensitive ear. Notice, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your kindred, And from your father's house to a land I will show you. I'll make you a great nation and I'll bless you. I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now this tells us something about Abram. And we're going to learn a few things about him in in this text But first of all, it teaches us that Abraham had some kind of relationship with the one true God, even though he lived in an idolatrous home. And as we've learned throughout the the hall of faith, we've learned that, man, it is possible to live a holy, righteous life in an unholy, unrighteous world. Abraham's another example of that. Not only did he have some kind of relationship with God, he recognized God's voice and he listened. Not only that, notice the next verse in verse 4. It says, so Abram argued and was upset and said, no way, leave me. No, that's not what it says. If you're right, if you have a Bible, circle those words, those three words. If you're, you have your iPad or you're reading on your phone, mark it some way and listen to what it says. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Now, unfortunately, it says Lot went with him, and he also took his dad. So he didn't completely obey, but that's good news to us too. Because sometimes you think, well, man, God's not going to bless me. I don't have a lot of faith because I, I make so many mistakes. Abraham is looked to as one of the greatest examples of faith. And you Bible students, you know this is not Abraham's biggest mistake. He has a lot of issues, and he has a few things even in his marriage some difficulties in his marriage that God was able to get him through and be used mightily by him. You too can be in the same place. God wants to use you mightily. Abram departed. Abram has some connection to God. And as he grows, it's amazing. It's amazing because the Bible says that Abraham was a friend of God. That's a pretty cool relation. To, to think of the God of all creation is a friend. You can jot it down in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7. It says, Abraham is his friend forever. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8, God speaking through Isaiah. Abraham, my friend. James chapter 2, verse 23 says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So come back with me now to Hebrews chapter 11 and let's learn a few things starting in verse 8 
about Abraham that will encourage us and help us to follow God in our own lives, stirring up faith for us, helping us to obey and live out just like Abraham did. Notice in verse 8 it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to the place that he would afterward receive as an inheritance. Now we just learned in Genesis chapter 12, the call of Abraham was, get up to a place I'll tell you. Get up to a place I'll tell you. Listen, if God spoke to you and you heard God's voice clearly say this to you, get up to a place that I will tell you, don't you think that somewhere along the way you would say to God, where? Yes or no? I hope yes. I think I would. You're going to show me where? I said, I'll show you. Where? I said, I'll show you. When will you show me? And you can just hear God says, get up and go. If you want. If you want. One of the things we learn about Abraham is Abraham did not let the lack of knowledge stop him from obeying God. I wonder if someone's listening to me today that's justifying and excusing their disobedience because you lack knowledge. It's a natural thing. It, it's not necessarily a good thing, but it's a natural thing. I mean, some of you, you would be really happy if God showed you the rest of your life. God, would you just show me the rest of my life? Who will I marry? Where will I live? What are my kids? Give me, just lay it out. Just, well, maybe not the rest, just the next 10 years. What's the next 10 years? And you think in your mind that if God would reveal to you the next 10 years, life would be easier. Listen, you don't want to know the next 10 years. It will wreck your faith. You're wanting to live by facts, but God wants you to live by faith. And remember this, facts always follow faith. It's not that God doesn't want to reveal things to you, but he's going to reveal them to you at the appropriate time, his timing. Like, let's just say that God said to you, here you are, I'm going to give you the next year, 365 days in a year. So God says to you, and he writes you a letter, sends it to you, gets in the mail, you open it up, and it says, I'm God, and I'm telling you. And, 300 and on the 321st day from today, it's going to be the worst day of your life. Do you know that's going to wreck you every day? You're not going to be happy. You're going to, be, you're going to spend 320 days trying to avoid that one day. You're, and if God says, well, it's going to happen uh, right here in Aurora at the Safeway, you're going to make sure on that day you're on a plane to Uruguay. Like, you're out of here. Because then you think, oh, I can. And you'll just be consumed with that bad day. You don't live by facts. You live by faith. You don't really want to know the future because it will wreck your faith relationship with God. So what does God do? God says, leave to a place I'll show you. Just leave to a place I'll show you. And you say, show me the place. And God says, leave. You say, show me. God says, leave. God says, you know, we want to take all the steps at once. You know, we want to take all the steps at once. But like Pastor Chuck has taught my pastor, my pastor taught me, I get to teach you now. Listen, there is no second step until you take the first step. <laughs> You'll never know. What's the second, third, fourth step? Take the first one. Take the first one. Take the first one. God will reveal the second one. That's called progressive revelation. And that is the entirety of your life and mine. 
This is Abounding Grace with our Bible teacher and pastor, Ed Taylor. To give this a second listen, just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through the Calvary Church app. You can search for Ed Taylor to download that today. Especially during the pandemic, depression and anxiety have been on the rise. And maybe that's something you or someone you know has been dealing with. We want to help you by sending you an insightful book called Depression, Looking Up from the Stubborn Darkness. Author Edward Welch compassionately addresses the complex nature of depression, applying the rich treasures found in the Bible. There is a way out of the darkness, and we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Thank you for remembering us in your prayers and giving to the Lord. Your gift, whatever the size, will serve to help us reach thousands with the message of Christ. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. You can also order this and many other resources through our e-store at calvaryco.store. If you'd just like to make a donation and not interested in the pick of the month, you can just go online to aboundinggraceradio.com. Connect with us through social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. There's a link to each page at aboundinggraceradio.com. Glad to have you with us for today's broadcast, and we look forward to continuing the journey through Hebrews next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.